The following presentation is from Mountain Park Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and video teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Welcome, Mountain Park. I'm so glad that you're here. Well, I say welcome, you say good morning. We're just together. We're together here. Welcome to Whole Shebang Part 3. Now, if you are new with us, I'm going to explain in just a moment what we mean by the phrase whole shebang. If you have been with us before, you may notice that I'm wearing glasses, and I've never worn glasses before. I got glasses this week for the first time. I've never worn glasses before in my life, and I just got to tell you, I'm not a big fan. Uh, I have been told that I look more intelligent, which I can use all the help I can get uh, on that one. The one thing I'm most looking forward to with having glasses. Uh, I'm 41 years old, and I've never been able to laugh so hard that I had to take off my glasses. <gasps> Woo! Woo! I've never done that before, and I haven't done it yet, so I look forward to that moment. I'll tell you all about it. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, I have uh, a progressive lenses, so they have like multiple things, and they blend together And because I have an astigmatism. And, and so what that means is that my whole world for the past five days has been very wobbly. And so the edges are all kind of moving around. I feel like I'm on a boat. I've been nauseous all week. On Tuesday, I was so sick, and I thought I'm coming down with something. No, it's just these glasses. See, what's happening is that my 41-year-old eyes are saying, I'm not interested in relearning how to, how to see things. We're doing okay on our own. They're struggling with it, and then they're telling my brain that it's struggling with it as well. Change is difficult. Change is hard. There's so much natural resistance to change. But the way we've been created, designed by God, is that change is inevitable. There's no way for us to avoid change. So, so then the, the question then is, how are we going to respond to it? How are we going to handle it? What's guiding our change? We are going to change. So are we changing in a way that we want to change? Or are we changing in a way that perhaps the world wants us to change? This year, we are once again looking at the whole shebang, which is God's overall story. And the, the, the concept that we're looking at this year is the way that God is inviting the characters in the story, including you, you are a character in the story, inviting the characters in the story to be transformed, to be changed into the likeness of His Son. And that change is a beautiful thing that we can have a whole lot of resistance to at times. It is uh, to that change, to that end that we're going after this year, and that I would love for you to pray with me as we launch into this morning's message. God, I, uh, I pray for all the, the glasses that you want to put on, on our lives to uh, make some changes that uh, maybe we're going to be resistant to. God, I pray that you would bless this journey this year. You know in ways that you want to challenge our hearts and stimulate us and, um, and transform us. And so, God, I pray for a blessing on this journey. I pray for, pray for every uh, binder that is collecting and thinking more about who you are, every D group that is going after this. Every part of our journey this year, I pray that you would bless in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
This uh, past Christmas break, as part of my uh, daddy date with my daughter, I took her to Zope, which, as, which is a family Italian circus since 1842. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Zope. It's kind of a small circus, but it was pretty impressive. I mean, it was pretty fun, and there were some things where I went, <gasps> when they were happening with the circus, certainly a number of things that I couldn't do. Uh, but one of the things that I wasn't uh, that thrilled about with the circus was the whole uh, a picture with the pony scam that I'm sure has been going on since 1842. And what they do is right before the intermission, they bring out a, a pony that looks like she was about 74 years old, little tiny pony that they came out and they did a little, how lovable is this fluffy little pony? And, and then they said uh, right before the intermission, kids, would you like to have your picture taken with the pony? Yeah! And then uh, ask your mommy and your daddy if you can have your picture taken with the pony. Can I picture taken with the pony. And so then let's line up over here. And then uh, for 20 bucks, they charge you to go in and have a picture with the pony that costs them about seven cents each. They make a killing on it so that we can get a picture that then goes in the drawer of our daughter that we won't see until she take, moves off to college. Uh, and so it's really kind of a whole scam. But it, for the most part, I enjoyed Zope. And the thing that struck me the most about it is its rich history. This uh, family circus has been passed on for seven generations for 170 years. They've been passing the little red nose on to the younger kids who are going to grow up and become the next clowns and, and uh, acrobats, etc., in the, in the Zope family circus. It was very impressive. The whole thing began with a, a woman who looked like she was about 80 years old. She came out and she said, I'm uh, Carmela Zope. Uh, so glad you're here with the Watch the Circus. And that's pretty good, huh? And then. Um, and so as she was doing, as she was kind of struggling through this whole introduction, I just thought, this is awesome. This is just incredible that there's such rich history with this family. And I saw their kids were a part of the show when the whole thing was traveling around. They've been doing this for 170 years. And I just thought, there's nothing like that in our culture. There's just, we are so much more sh uh, short-sighted in how we see our jobs and how we see generations. And 10 years is, is eternity for us, for the most part, the way we think through life and the way we pass things on to the next generation. And so to watch them have seven generations that have been passed on, I just thought it was fantastic. But, but I even thought, if, even if I wanted to be a part of that, I couldn't because I didn't, I, I wasn't born in a Zope family. I'm not a Zope. I don't have much hair on my chest. Uh, I, I'm not a Zope. I'm not a natural Zope. And so I was listening to her and kind of watching this and thinking about how great it would be to be a part of something that went on for generations and that I could pass on to my daughter. As I was thinking about that, I just thought, well, I am. I am part of something that is way bigger than me or my generation or the next generation that follows. I'm part of something that goes back hundreds of years, thousands of years. As a follower of Christ, I'm a spiritual zope. As a follower of Christ, I am part of a legacy of characters and stories and moments that have been incredible throughout all of history. That's what the whole shebang is. The whole shebang is an invitation and a reminder that we are part of something that is way bigger than us and our generation. 
We are part of something that's huge. We don't just read the Bible, this thing that is so distant from us. We are part of that story. The whole shebang is this overall story that starts in the Old Testament and moves into the New Testament with the coming of the Messiah. And the, but the story doesn't end with the Bible story. It continues on from there to the story of the church that has happened over the last 2,000 years. That is our story. Now, we are a part of the whole shebang. We have an unwritten part of that story. Our decisions are part of the whole shebang story. And then there's a, a piece, the last tab uh, in our journey here at the end of the year will be the glimpses that God has given us about the end. That we are not just looking at or, or um, being interested in somebody else's story or the story of somebody else's family. We get to be part of this overall story. You can be a spiritual zope. Doesn't that sound good, huh? Okay. Well, the subtitle for our, for our journey through it this year, for our journey through the whole shebang, is The Pursuit of Holiness. And so we got to just start with, what does, the, what does the word holiness mean? And that word may have a negative connotation for you. Kind of your first check on it might be this idea of holier than thou. And the word might first sound kind of righteous. It might sound boring. It might sound unattainable. You may be uninterested in the concept. But what if holiness is about freedom? What if the invitation to be holy is an invitation to become free from the self-destructive decisions and ways that we do life that make life so hard? Like I said before, life is all about change. Change is inevitable. So what is guiding that change? What decisions, what, what are, what's part of our journey that says, this is the change I want to go towards? What is guiding that change? And that process of change is the idea of holiness. Changing in a way that is according to God's character is the pursuit of holiness. Holiness is often traditionally defined as being set apart. And we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks. The, the, the phrase that I want to attach to holiness, uh, and I'll do this a number of times this year, is that holiness is about being noticeably different. Holiness is about being noticeably different. If you invited someone to come clean your house or to clean your backyard, and you were gone for the day and came back after they had done their work, you would expect to enter into the house or into the backyard and see a noticeable difference. You would expect to see a noticeable difference. An expectation for those who are followers of Christ is that if you have been following Christ for a year, there would be a noticeable difference. There would be a noticeable difference. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. I do invite you to bring your Bible to church. We will look at it together every Sunday. This is where uh, the whole shebang comes from, and it gives us guidance to the whole story. And so if you do not have a Bible, if you're not sure which kind of Bible to buy, we'd, be, uh, we'd love to help you with that process. We have Bibles available for free in the lobby if you want to pick one up. Uh, but I do encourage you and invite you to bring your Bible with you so we can look at the scripture together. You can lose Zopay, uh, please, if you will. I think it's starting to nauseate some people. Uh, uh, so we're going to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, and uh, 1 Peter is found at the very end of the New Testament. Uh, 
Uh, very near the end. You can go to Revelation, which is the last book, back up a little bit, and you'll find 1 Peter. And what I'm going to be looking at is this section beginning in verse 13 of chapter 1, which is really going to be kind of a theme for our whole year. And verse 13 begins with the word, therefore. And you can't just jump into a phrase. If, if it's written, therefore, you've got to ask, what's the therefore, therefore? So you have to back up a little bit. And you, we can go to the beginning of this letter and see how Peter begins this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, uh, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by His blood. Now, th those kind of words and phrases, those can be hard to digest. And uh, basically what he's saying here is he's writing to those who are followers of Christ. He's not writing to those who are searching. He's writing to those who believe Jesus is the Messiah. He's writing to Christians. Last year, uh, we spent the whole year talking about A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, talking about what it means to have an actual relationship with Jesus. So this year, we're talking about what it means to follow that up, what happens once Jesus is a part of our lives. And once Jesus is the Lord of our life, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us, and it's His job in us to clean house. What he does as, as our conscience or whatever other words we might use, the role of the Holy Spirit is to challenge us and inspire us and encourage us. He's cleaning house one piece at a time. And so, uh, like I said, if we have been a follower of Christ for a while, then uh, we could look back and, and there's a noticeable difference because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. Now, I want to very respectfully acknowledge the fact that uh, I know not everyone here in the room uh, would call them yourself a Christian. And that is fantastic if you uh, find this to be a safe place to continue to search out your faith. That's what we mean by a safe place to visit. This is a place where we are we're figuring out our faith together, and some of you might not be there yet in terms of Jesus being the Lord of your life. I still think this journey is going to be relevant because there is tremendous wisdom that comes from the pursuit of holiness. As we're going to look at this whole year, God designed us. He understands how we work. There is tremendous wisdom that comes out of this, even if you don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. But if you do believe Jesus is the Messiah, this is a mandatory result of having the Holy Spirit live inside of you, that there would be a pursuit of being noticeably different, pursuit of holiness. Peter continues in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And he continues to talk and expand on this idea of hope. And what's happening here is Peter is saying, I'm, I'm speaking to Christians, and I want to remind you of this incredible hope that you have as followers of Christ. And then he gets to verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. In other words, followers of Christ 
Pursue holiness all the days of your life. Pursue holiness. Peter here is quoting from the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament. So it could be said that uh, uh, from the very beginning, Leviticus is, is the third book in the Bible, from the very beginning to the very end, 1 Peter's near the very end of the, of, the, of the biblical story, God is saying, be holy, be holy. God is inviting and challenging and inspiring us to be holy. Now, a driving question in this journey is what does that look like? I mean, a question that we are going to be revisiting over and over this year is, what does holiness look like for adults? What does holiness look like for adults? This past summer, I uh, had the great and wonderful opportunity to be a camp counselor at a, uh, at a summer camp for 10-year-olds. And uh, I got to go to camps when I was a kid, and I love the idea of, of hanging out with kids in a, in a uh, cabin, and we had a great time. I was with a, f- a number of kids here from our church, and uh, the kids from our church in my group, they were fantastic. They were great, great, great kids. But we shared the cabin with kids from four other churches, and one of the kids from one of the other churches was named Jake. Now, uh, this is not your Jake, just so you know. If you've got a Jake and you're thinking he's about 10 years old, I'm sure it was my Jake. No, it's not your Jake because Jake was from another church. But one night, uh, we all got back late, and uh, I just said in our cabin, it was about 11 o'clock, 10-year-old kids, it's time to shut it down. It's time to shut it down. So I said, 10-minute warning, lights are going out. 10-minute warning. Seven minutes into that warning, most of the kids were ready. All the kids, all of your kids from Mountain Park, they were in their beds ready to go, uh, praying. Uh, and I went over to one bunk where Jake was hanging out with three other 10-year-old boys. And the other three were pretty much ready for bed, but they were just hanging out. And Jake wasn't even close. He hadn't even lifted a finger yet. And Jake had his back to me when I went up, and I kind of leaned over, and I said, so uh, you... Ready to go to bed? And he paused, and he leaned back from the boys he was hanging out with. He was kind of leaning against the bed. He just leaned back and went, nope, (laughs) and then went back to what he was doing. And I was, I was frozen. I was dumbfounded that he would that he would respond that way to me. Here I am, a six foot four, authority in the room, uh, um, intimidatingly handsome man, standing over him. And he doesn't even flinch. He doesn't even flinch with my, my presence and what's happening there and my simple request to get ready for bed. Doesn't even flinch. And I, I didn't even know what to say, so I just said, is that really your answer? And, and he just, uh, just kind of stayed. He didn't even look back this time. He said, yep. And so then I was kind of shaking a little bit, and, and I went over, and, and I gave the kids a little extra time. I kind of had my eye on Jake. I don't know what's going on there. And so we went a little bit over the 10-minute mark. Okay, lights out. Boom. And then Jake, a few minutes later, he stumbles over, gets his flashlight. He's still in his uh, clothes, gets his clothes, and goes over to the bathroom, turns on the light, which is right by my bunk, the, the, the light to the bathroom. And uh, which is always a great place to uh, bunk uh, and with kids at a camp is right by the bathroom. Not a bad, bad call. Um, but Jake goes in there and he spends 15 minutes brushing his teeth and doing all his stuff. And then he was finished and he went over and got back to his bunk. But he left the light on in the bathroom. And so I got up out of my bed and I went over to his bunk and I said, Jake, who's going to turn the light off in the bathroom? 
And he said, I don't know. And I said, well, you're the only one who went to use the restroom. What's your plan for how the light is going to get turned off? And he said, I don't have a plan. And I said, well, I have a plan. Go turn the light off. And so he kind of mumbled to his friends, and they all, <laughs> and they did this thing, and he got up, and, 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 and he went over and did the light thing. I'm over, standing by my bunk, and I'm, 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 I'm practicing breathing. <laughs> and I'm reciting the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not kill. This is basic, fundamental, it's basic uh, good camp counselor uh, material there. Um, and so finally he, uh, he turned off the light and the whole thing was, uh, was settling down. And, and I had this observation with my time with these kids. And it was, it was, a, tricky, uh, it was a tricky observation, but the observation I had was that many times it's easy to identify which kids have grown up in homes where there are parameters, where there are loving parents, where there are um, present uh, roles of authority in, in the kid's life. That uh, for kids, oftentimes, transformation, or what we're calling the pursuit of holiness, is evident. And it's just kind of easier to identify with kids with 10-year-olds, with kids, that either they're respectful or they're not. Either they're honoring those around them, kids and adults, or they're not. Either they're, they're just cheating all the time and they're getting in trouble, or they're not. Either they're making good decisions in terms of drugs and alcohol and their sexuality as they're growing up, or they're not. Now, I understand that every kid is a mixture of good stuff and bad stuff. And I understand that uh, sometimes incredibly loving and present parents have kids who continue to struggle into adulthood. And that it is only by the grace of God that any of us uh, grow up to make good, uh, God-honoring decisions. But with kids who do not have the sophistication that we do as adults, it's so often very easy to know which ones have had influence in their life to clean up emotionally and spiritually what's going on inside them, to respond to the natural desires that they have. With adults, however, it's way more complex. So again, what does holiness look like for adults, because we have the ability to put makeup on our imperfections. We have incredible abilities to put on masks, to pretend we're something that we're not, to hide the reality that we're messed up in certain areas, to drift far away from our knowledge that something that we're participating in is not what God has for us. And again, kids lack the sophistication so often to be able to hide those things. We adults work so good at it. That's what makes holiness so tricky for us. Kids in, uh, uh, so often have parents who are going to knock on the door every once in a while and say, what are you doing in there? What's going on in there? Adults don't have that knock on the door. Kids often have adults who sometimes jump in and, and overstep bad decisions that they're making to save from disastrous things that could happen. Parents, uh, kids sometimes have parents who say, you can't go to Mexico with that person. You can't do that. Kids have parents who say, you need to go back into that room and apologize 
Adults, however, don't have that in their lives. And then what happens as we get older so often is we get more and more rigid, just like my eyes are saying, I'm not interested in change. I am what I am. This is, this is what, you, you get what you get. And I'm not interested in changing how I interact with people. I'm not interested in, how I, in changing how I communicate with people, how I uh, uh, listen to people, how I uh, respond to God. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I am what I am. Take it or leave it. That's what makes holiness so complex with adults. What does holiness look like for adults? What we're going to look at this year is that holiness is a process. And it's not about how far you get on the journey. It's, it's our willingness to continue to move along in that process. And it is a process that moves from being spiritually immature to being spiritually mature. It's a process that moves from being from selfishness to selflessness. It's a process basically of growing up from being spiritually children to being spiritually teenagers to being spiritually adults to being spiritually mature adults. First Peter, in that section that I read, he says in verse 14, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That the pursuit of holiness is a process from ignorance to being informed. It's a process from conforming to the evil desires, to the ways of the world, to being transformed. It's a process. And here's the thing that we're going to look out over the next few months that I think is just incredible as a part of God's design. The Bible story is a process of holiness and development that uh, we're going to divide the Bible story up into four sections. And those first four sections are the first four of the seven sections of the whole shebang. And the whole shebang starts uh, now, and really, really, we'll jump into it next week, with the idea of the exodus. It's the story of the development of God's people. And that basically is a story of God's people who are children. They are the children of God. And that's where we get all the rules and the laws and the precepts and the commandments. It's in the Exodus story where God says, I need to tell you what to do and what not to do. I need to tell you a lot about what to do and what not to do. They're the children of God. You shall not kill. Don't kill your brother. It's it's the children of God. And then the story's going to move to the second half of the Old Testament, which is referred to as the exile. And it's the story of God's people being warned. They're in Jerusalem. They're in their own city. And God says, if you don't change your ways and acknowledge the rules that I've set before you, I'm going to kick you out of Jerusalem. And it's kind of like the teenage stage in terms of our spiritual maturity. Because God's saying, I will allow you to experience the consequences of your decisions. I will step back a little bit and let you experience the consequences of not following me. It's like the teenage years spiritually. And then with the beginning of the New Testament, we encounter the story of Jesus. And it's the the story of the Messiah, which is found in the four Gospels of of Christ. And and in these stories, uh, we find an invitation into spiritual adulthood where we realize, oh, this is what this whole process has been about. God has been preparing the whole world for this moment here where he comes in the form of a baby in, in Bethlehem. 
And so it's this, it's this invitation into freedom that we get to experience as spiritual adults to say, oh, I get it now. This is what it's all about. And then the second half of the New Testament is, is kind of like spiritually mature adults because now it's the followers of Christ who say, this isn't just about me. Now I am to pass this on to others in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. And so it's this, it's this movement from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. It is a process that we're going to be learning about and jumping into this week. It's a process that, that moves from holiness being what we do to who we are. Holiness, holiness is going to shift. The pursuit of it shifts from what we do to who we are. Peter here in this section, he says, be holy in all that you do. And if we're less familiar with the word holy, we could substitute another word. Just use the word kind. We're going to be more familiar with that word. Uh, be kind in all that you do. We might say that to our kids. Be kind in all that you do. With our kids, however, we don't just say be kind and talk about the nuances of kindness and the origin of the word, etc. With kids, we say, do this, do that. We say, Here, here's what this means. Here's some rules. Here's some guidelines. I want to help you understand. Do this and don't do that. It's part of the development of understanding so that eventually we could be kind. That's who we are. And kindness flows out and it, it informs our decisions and our actions. It, it's something that is in us. That's the Holy Spirit in us. And so it's the same process with holiness. It moves from what we do to who we are. Because Peter says, be holy. And you know what? You can't do that on your own. That is only by the grace of God. It is only by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within us that allows us to be holy. It's the shift from doing to being. It's the shift from experiencing the weight and the heaviness and the guilt of holiness. Oh, I, I'm not doing this right or I'm, I've, I'm being challenged on this part or whatever. It's all the weight of that shifting to the freedom of being holy. The freedom of be kind in all that you do. Be loving in all that you do. In those significant relationships that it's hard to be loving. Well, be loving because that's now who you are. Be joyful in all that you do. Instead of working so hard to have a good day and, and, and you're, it's just a rough period of life and you want to be joyful, well, that's who you are. Be holy in all that you do. It'll flow into what you do. It's moving from doing to being. That's the invitation, that we're gonna, uh, the challenge, the journey that we're going to embark on this year. As I close this morning, uh, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to God. And uh, we haven't done this for a few weeks, but it's typically how we respond here at Mountain Park is we have a number of different options here in the room. And I want to walk them out uh, in light of the fact that some of you have been new over the past few weeks. They're listed in your program, uh, and you can participate in any of these things if you'd like. The band is going to come up and lead us in a couple songs. Uh, over here uh, to my left, uh, you can come to the cross, uh, take a red card, you can write uh, on there something that you want to leave here in this room and nail it to the cross. Maybe it's something this year that you want to invite the, the, God's holiness into that part of your life. And maybe some transformation will happen right now. Maybe it's a commitment for you to say, at some point this year, I invite God 
to, to bring holiness into that part of my life. You can nail it to the cross and say, this is the thing I want to be noticeably different in my life over this next year. Up here in the front is what we call unassisted prayer. You can come and just have time. It's just between you and God. Over here to the right are candles. Uh, Jesus is referred to as the light of the world. And so the idea here is that you can light a candle representing that light. You want that to be a part of your life or part of the life of someone that you care about. Further to the right, uh, there will be someone either on our board or on our pastoral staff, according to James chapter 5, that says that we would uh, anoint with oil for spiritual or emotional healing. We believe that God is powerful enough to do that. So we invite you to come if you would like to receive healing this morning as part of your experience. At either of the exit doors are assisted prayer. Folks on the prayer team would be honored to pray with you. And then in the center back, communion is available. And uh, the only thing with communion is that we ask that you be a follower of Christ. It's really a meaningless experience unless Jesus is the Lord of your life. You can come and take the bread, take the cup. You can take it on your own or be served by the uh, um, uh, folks there who would be honored to serve you. Or, of course, just stay where you are. Just sit, reflect, pray, think, sit, stand, sing, listen. I invite you over these next few moments to just reflect on the idea of holiness. Have you ever pursued holiness? Have you ever been intentional about what's guiding your change? Are you interested this year in pursuing holiness? Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, I thank you that you are a loving parent. And you even model that... uh, in scripture that um, even with incredibly loving parents there there are kids who who struggle who want to run away and make make their own decisions and so God there's so many times where we find ourselves in that place and so God I pray that you would um, inspire us this year to not experience the weight of holiness that we have to carry on our own, but that you would invite us into the freedom of holiness in a beautiful way, God. Father, I pray um, that folks here in this room who are willing, that they would be noticeably different at the end of this year. God, I pray that I would be noticeably different at the end of this year because of the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit living in me. Come in this place we pray in Jesus' name, amen.